Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this episode of the Iowa Pharmacy Association's What, Why, and How podcast. My name is Seth Brown, and I am the Director of Public Affairs with the Iowa Pharmacy Association. It's great to join you today. Today, we'll be expanding the scope of this podcast a bit by going beyond the Iowa Board of Pharmacy action that we typically talk about, and instead, we'll be talking about federal regulatory changes relating to direct and indirect remuneration, or DIR fees, which pharmacies are all too familiar with. Over the past year, IPA and other pharmacy stakeholders have been hearing concerns from members relating to pharmacy cash flow issues in 2024. This past October, IPA conducted the State of Community Pharmacy 2024 Expectation Survey to illustrate the outlook of community pharmacies in Iowa ahead of upcoming DIR rule changes by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, um, as well as recent Medicare Part D contracts and PBM issues broadly. This survey included responses from 97 independent and small chain community pharmacies in Iowa, serving over 333,000 patients, and the findings were alarming. Of note, 40% of responding pharmacies reported expectations to close within the next 12 months, which would result in approximately 133,000 patients losing access to care at community pharmacies in Iowa. So, in response to member engagement and this data, IPA has actively engaged lawmakers, regulators, and stakeholders throughout 2023 to raise the red flag on potential cash flow issues early in the new year. Pharmacy groups have coined this period the DIR cliff or the DIR hangover, uh, and so we were, are going to talk about this today. So without further ado, today we have invited a, a distinguished guest, pharmacy policy expert, and the Vice President of Federal Government Affairs for the American Pharmacists Association, Michael Baxter. Mike, thank you for joining the What, Why, and How podcast, and sorry to make you wait for that intro. Uh, we appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Seth, and we appreciate your partnership. Great. Well, let's uh, start from the top. What is the DIR cliff or this DIR hangover that everybody keeps talking about? Sure. Um, well, I mean, you, you did a good introduction, too, as well of it. I'd say it's a double hit for pharmacies, right, unfortunately. Um, what happened was for years, obviously, we've had retroactive DIR fees where you dispense a medication at the pharmacy counter for, say, $10, and then two or three weeks or months later, you owe a fee on that. That could be $15 or more than that. So you're actually dispensing at a loss. So it's been a big issue that's been impacting a number of pharmacies for a number of years. Well, we went to CMS year after year and asked for a fix. Uh, during the last administration, they actually started to work on a fix, and they found a way to do it through regulations, um, through the annual Part D rule, and they couldn't do it because of the medication interference clause, um, getting involved in the negotiations directly between the manufacturers and the pharmacies and others, um, and the PBMs. But that being said, they found a way to do it through reporting mechanisms. So everybody was excited about that, really interested in that, and they actually formulated a final rule that they came out with saying, well, okay, there's not going to be any more retroactive DIR fees, um, but they're going to be all at the point of sale, right? And that's moving all pharmacy price concessions to that negotiated price at the point of sale. Problem with that is that you're still getting dinged as a pharmacy. You're just getting dinged up front, right? So it didn't really eliminate the problems that we have with the DIR fees being um, not related to actually improving patient performance or anything the pharmacy can do um, and still keeping us underwater as far as reimbursement goes. So that's a big issue there, too. Um, but if you're talking about the cliff itself, um, this is scheduled to take a, take effect in January 1st, 2024. Now, the problem there is we wanted to take effect immediately if they were going to do it because they gave another year 
for the PBMs to actually increase, and they have in those last 2023 contracts, significantly increased the DIR fees, including those retroactive DIR fees for another year. So we've mm-hmm. been hit more than ever uh, at pharmacies leading up to January 1st, 2024. And then now it's going to drop us down to a thing called the lowest possible reimbursement, which is a terrible term for any pharmacist or pharmacy, but certainly you don't want to be paid less than you're being paid now. So that lowest possible reimbursement that you're going to get hit with in January is coupled with the fact that you've been hit with the highest DIR fees you've ever seen in 2023. So that's the DIR cliff or the DIR hangover that you always hear about. Gotcha. Yeah, that that's very helpful. Um, you talked about it a little bit, but let's talk about some of the expected impacts on pharmacies. Uh, you know, what are those and which pharmacies do you expect to be impacted the most by by these rule changes and the follow on effects? Sure. I would say independents are going to probably get hit the, the worst out of this. Uh, chains can actually balance this out in other places. Um, but if you actually look at the data that's come out from the National Council for Prescription Drug Programs or NCPDP, other public and private data, even with those current fees from 2023, we estimate about 4,000 independent pharmacies are at a high risk of closing between now and April 2024. So those closures represent about 25% of total independents. And most of those are in rural areas, they're in minorities, minority and urban communities, uh, which really need their pharmacies as their pharmacy home. And it's really going to impact them as well, too, going forward. So it's a big impact for a lot of our pharmacists going forward, but it's also going to be an impact for, for patients to access that pharmacy. Yeah, that's uh, going to have huge impacts. I, I, we can already tell. Um, and that would certainly jeopardize access, which I know CMS has an interest in, in protecting. So I'm, I'm curious, who is kind of to blame for these these issues? Like, is it CMS? Is it the PBMs? Are there other parties to consider? Um, I guess, where can we look for answers? Uh, I mean, if you had to, if I had to rhyme it with somebody, I'd say it rhymes with PBMs. So yeah. I, I think that that's, that's yeah. the majority of the issues here. They're <laughs> writing the contracts, the new contracts, even for 2024 that have come out, I think that you've probably most of your members have seen are about 15% below what it's necessary to reimburse just for the product and the dispensing fees. So pharmacies can't continue to operate like that. So the the, the fact that these loopholes haven't been closed um, is irregardless. PBMs could come out with better contracts and there are good PBMs and bad PBMs, right? But the contracts for the majority of those three that control the three big ones that control 80% of the marketplace have been terrible, right? And that's a big problem. Um, trying to address it at CMS, I think that they actually have been trying to address it but they're limited, like I said before, with that original Part D law and that medication interference um, clause. So the way they try to do it, they I think they try to do a good thing, but unintentionally, if you read through it, it doesn't close the loopholes. It doesn't get rid of DIR fees, that final rule, and you're still going to be hit with that. So there's a lot of issues that still need to be closed going forward, and we really need Congress here. Congress needs to step up to the plate and help. Yeah. So listeners of this podcast are typically pharmacists in Iowa, but maybe a legislator or regulator stumbles across this and they want answers. So from a policy perspective, what can be done to address the issue? So this is a great question. We think, I mean, at this point, and we've been talking about this for months and months and months, you've probably heard a lot about PBM reforms. There's a bill coming out of the Congress. It's probably going to become law this year. A lot of great reforms that are well overdue. But uh, APHA has been mentioning the DIR cliff all year long. All year long, we've been bringing this up. January 1st, 2024, what are we going to do? And a lot of those provisions in that legislation that passed the Finance Committee and maybe the Congress soon um, don't address what happens on January 1. So what are you going to do for me on January 1? And what really needs to be done there is some kind of a bridge. There has to be some kind of a bridge, and that's the term that the committee staff is using here on Capitol Hill, between, um, obviously, January 1st, 2024. And if you look in the legislation, there's actually a provision in there to help essential community pharmacies uh, to get paid at least 
uh, NADAC plus a dispensing fee, which is a better start. That's actually in uh, 2028. In 2028, so pharmacies are going to be closed by then. They can't survive another year, you know. So we need something to happen in January 1st, 2024. So they've actually proposed, um, from CMS's perspective, saying, "Hey, this is a big problem." They actually acknowledge it and they say we need some actual payments to come or an ability for uh, pharmacies that owe those 2023 DR fees to either pay them off over time through a payment plan or amortization or some kind of financial assistance there. So those are two options that we're pursuing right now with Congress and with the regulatory agencies as well too. So I think that that's something that we're looking at. Um, but I, I did mention to you before the podcast as well too that um, the Senate Finance Committee has actually set up now a briefing for just the Finance Committee members. That's the important committee that has jurisdiction over this issue uh, for Part D and Medicare. And they're gonna be bringing CMS over and they really need to hear. They need to hear from your members of Congress. They need to hear from your, uh, if you have a member of Congress or a Senator on the Finance Committee, and of course, Iowa does. Uh, Senator Charles Grass, as you mentioned, a big champion of pharmacy throughout the years. Um, really need, and his staffer is gonna be there. We need all the staffers that are on the Finance Committee to attend this December 15th briefing. It's a December 15th briefing of the committee. The more members we have, we have to pack the room. We have to get folks in there um, representing pharmacies, telling them the impact of DIR fees and closing pharmacies um, in their neighborhoods and their communities, um, how important it is to have at least some kind of a bridge because pharmacies aren't going to be open in 2028. They're not going to be open in 2025. So we've got to make sure that we do something to actually help them to bridge that between this cliff from January 1st, 2024. Yeah, that's that's great news. And I know that APHA has been working hard on this and as long as well as IPA. And uh, one thing that we've really tried to emphasize is how urgent this issue is and how substantial it can be. And you hit on it, but you know, to accomplish these solutions that you've laid out, it takes more than just presenting them and then prove everything is fixed. You know, it takes education, grassroots advocacy, collaboration, and continuous attention to get there. And IPA has been engaging with Iowa's federal lawmakers on this issue since April. Uh, we've facilitated pharmacy visits and had conversations with members, legislators, regulators. We've engaged other state associations <clears throat> to contact their elected officials. And we've worked closely with APHA and other national pharmacy associations. So there's just there's a lot that needs to be done. And obviously, APHA is taking a lead in uh, in advocating for these changes to make sure the DIR cliff doesn't put out all these pharmacies that uh, provide great care to Iowa, Iowans and Americans across the country. So it's uh it's definitely good news that there's some momentum and there's news that can be shared today. We appreciate that and we'll definitely be messaging that out to our members to make sure that they can they can tune in and uh, advocate for some of those changes in that bill. Um, so I guess where are we at now? What is are there any other updates that you can share? Um, I know that CMS issued a public memo a while ago and Grassley had an amendment uh, in a in legislation in the past. So is there anything else you could dive into, talk about? Um, What's next? Yeah, I mean, and kudos to Iowa. I mean, we're 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 where we're at as far as making a little progress here because um, you all, I know Randy McDonough, who's our incoming president from Iowa as well too, got on the phone call, got on the phone with CMS and CMS leadership and Senator Grassley's staff and expressed the importance of this and how this is going to impact Iowa communities. Uh, we followed up with that with an in-person meeting with our new CEO, Michael Hogue, um, with the CMS administrator, uh, Chiquita Brooks-Lashore, and she actually wants to help. So she wants to help on this issue, but again, she might be limited by what she can do, but that's why we really got to hold CMS's feet to the fire. There is a provision in current regulations for pharmacy access. It says that for pharmacy access, particularly in rural communities, that 70% of Medicare beneficiaries um, have to live within an area 
with 15 miles of a network pharmacy. So if that's not occurring because pharmacies are closing down because of the cliff or DIR fees or other issues, then not only are you not going to have pharmacies open and available in rural communities, you're not going to have Part D plans because they're going to be out of compliance with that provision. So we're really trying to hold their feet to the fire on that issue. Um, we had the CMS memos you mentioned come out after those meetings. So I think Iowa really lit the fire there and it really helped out to get that, that memo out. And it reminded the plans, hey, this is a problem. Hey, you really need to offer some kind of payment plans or some kind of a bridge program because of the double hit that's gonna be occurring because of the DIR cliff. So that happened first. In addition, then we had the PBM bill that passed the Finance Committee in the Senate. And we worked really strong uh, to make sure that there was an amendment in there, championed by Senator Grassley, uh, Senator Thune also from South Dakota, who's the majority whip as well, and Senator Langford from Oklahoma um, that included that amendment, which really said that almost every 90 days and 15 days after that, there's gonna be a lot more um, increased scrutiny and oversight of this particular provision uh, to make sure that plans are in compliance with those network adequacy standards to make sure that the DIR cliff doesn't ensure that many pharmacies are going to be closed and they're going to be out of network compliance. So I think there's been a lot of good groundwork to get us here. I think, uh, like I said, Iowa started this, a lot of this, um, and I think we followed up on it pretty well. Um, but still, we don't have it in writing. We don't have any assurances yet, um, and we're still looking for that. So like I said, we've We've done a lot of good work, but there's more work to do. Absolutely. And to read up on what IPA and APHA and others have done, um, you can look on, listeners can look on IPA's website on our blog. We have several posts about our efforts in that area, and we'll continue to encourage our members to advocate and engage on this topic. Um, it's definitely in the forefront of things to, to keep an eye on. Um, it's definitely a pain point for our members, so we'll continue to talk about it. Well, Mike, I appreciate you joining today and shedding some light on the DIR cliff and what actions being done at the federal level. And I appreciate you taking the time to educate on this. Uh, you're definitely uh, uh, have the mind and uh, the insight on this to shed a lot of uh, great insight. So thank you for joining. Uh, and I thank you for all our listeners uh, also for joining the What, Why and How podcast. Um, I will wrap it up at this point. But Mike, is there anything else that you'd like to share? No, I, I mean, the fight's not over, right? So we need you now more than ever. So I just say, you know, I know you're all advocates because you're listening to the podcast today, but, you know, please stay in touch with Seth, stay in touch with APHA and your state and uh, national pharmacy and pharmacist organizations, and hopefully we'll win this fight. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you all for joining the What, Why, and How podcast. We'll see you on the next episode.